in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. It says this. So Joshua circumcised their sons. Amen. Let's have the end. Every guy in here was like, oh, no, let's not read that. So Joshua circumcised their sons, uh, those who had grown up, uh, grown up to take their father's place, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Now while the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day that they first ate from the crops of the land. And it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate the crops of Canaan. Now, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and he demanded, are you friend or are you foe? Neither one. He replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, he said this, take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy. So here we, here we have the, the children of Israel uh, are crossing over into the promised land. We've been, uh, for the last eight weeks, really focusing in on this portion of Scripture and, and crossing over. Change is happening, and, and they've crossed over. And then the Bible tells us this. The manna stopped. The manna stopped. I mean, think about this for a moment. Forty years of wandering in the desert they have not had to work a bit for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. It's just there. They wake up in the morning, and there is manna, and all they have to do is go pick it up. And 40 years of this. It is awesome. It is free. You don't have to work for it a bit. It is right there. And yet they come over into the promised land, and when they get into the promised land, all of a sudden, it just stops. Like, whoa, hold on a second. Isn't the promise, aren't things supposed to, like, get better and things are supposed to get easier? And, and all of the things that God has promised us and that we're looking forward to, and, and, man, it's just supposed to rain down skittles and unicorns will fly across the sky. And it's just supposed to be this, this is the promise. This is the thing that generations and generations of people have been waiting for. And then all of a sudden, whoa, we're hungry and the way we used to get it ain't working anymore. The manna has stopped. All of a sudden, it stops. And, and here's the thing, like, I read this, and it just jumped out at me. And I thought, man, this is, this is kind of how we're taught today with our faith. That you come to Jesus, and when you come to Jesus, man, life is going to be so good. There, there, there's so much joy, and there's peace, and there's happiness, and, and, and there's just 
the love of, of coming to know Christ, and, and life is going to be great. And, and, and here's the thing. It, like, it, it's true. It's true. But the problem is there's a part B to that. The problem is there's these words of Jesus that say, yeah, you come to me, and there's going to be life, and there's going to be joy, and there's going to be peace. But then there's going to be persecution. And people are actually going to hate you because you love me. For my name's sake, people are going to do everything they can to come against you. There, 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 there's there's going to be heartache, and there's going to be pain, and there's going to be some suffering for being a follower of Jesus. And at this point, you're like, can I just get package A? Can we go back to just the peace and the joy and the Skittles? Like, come on, God. Like, you know, it, we're talking about, you know, we've been waiting forever promised land. We've been waiting forever for, for a Savior. And, and you're kind of giving us a different package than what we've been expecting. You're telling me things are going to change, and, and I want things to change, but all of a sudden breakfast is no more. Like, do you remember when you first, for, for some of you all in here, that when you first got married, that first few months, you know, it's, it's called the honeymoon phase. Man, life is good. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a good husband. You're bringing that woman breakfast in, bre in bed. You're like, here you go, girl. I just got some eggs for you, a little bit of bacon. What, what you want? What can I get for you? You know, laying out the clothes. She's done some ironing. It's like five years into it, you can't even, the pants are wrinkled up in the corners. <laughs> Breakfast in bed, what? You better stop at McDonald's. There ain't none of that. You're like, wait, what happened? Like, with love and stuff. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, the honeymoon period, like, for, for most of us, like, that, that know this joy of marriage, we also know the exact moment that the honeymoon stops. It's called having kids. And all of a sudden, you go from breakfast in bed to, like, cleaning up poopy diapers at 1 in the morning and 3 in the morning and 5 in the morning. And, like, what? A, this is the promise. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the child. And all of a sudden, like, but wait a minute. It, it, it's a lot of work. It's like there's this promise. Like, there's this honeymoon. And then it's a lot like joining the gym. Have you ever attempted to join the gym, you walk through those doors, and there's, like, the dude at the counter. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're like, you, you instantly see him, and you're just like, yeah. I mean, you kind of bow up a little bit. And he has this smile on his face, like, yeah, yeah, you're going to join the gym. It's going to be good, y'all. You're going to feel so good. You're going to feel healthy about yourself, your body. You're going to be feeling good. No, you're not. And you know you're not. Like, he's like, like, what is this thing you're smiling, this, this work? I mean, there's nothing good about these words. Work out. I don't want to do either one. I would rather sleep in. Like, do they make an oil for that? Like, some one of those essential oils? Can I rub some lavender and just get healthy? I mean, something like that. You know, the gym is this perfect explanation of it. Like, no, it's supposed to start off, and there's promises of the good stuff, and then all of a sudden time goes by, and this is a lot of work. There was man every day, then there's a lot of work, and this is the promise. Now, i got to tell you, whenever I was in high school, high school was actually quite easy for me. Um, I, I don't know what it was. I could, I could not study, 
take the test and ace it. I could, uh, I, this, is, this is not even exaggerating. Through all of my junior high and high school years, I literally only read about three books. I read Treasure Island, I read Charlotte's Web, and I read Hatchet. And anytime you'd have to write book reports, I would always just write a variation of one of those. And it got to the point where I don't think even the teachers would read them, so I would combine the movies, and I would combine like Charlotte's Web with Hatchet, and I'd come up with these stories, and I'd still get A's. Like, I don't know how. I would just, I mean, high school was a breeze. And so when I got to college, I just thought, you know, college, no worries, studying and all that good stuff. And, and I remember it was, it was the week before driving in the car to go off to Dallas, and my dad pulled me to the side, and, and he gave me a check. And he gave me a check for the first uh, month's, the first month's tuition. And I was like, man, you know, thanks, Dad. I really appreciate this. And, and I drive down to Dallas, uh, get, get part of the school. Uh, on a little side note, I actually never got accepted to my college. Um, I just showed up and gave them money. And they said, well, I guess you're in. So I'm, like, not joking. Like, that really happened. Just, like, here you go. You cash it, and I will be there on Monday morning. And so I'm serious. That happened. And so I'm going, I'm going through, and all of a sudden, like, that one month's tuition, I realized that month went really fast. It's like, oh, man, i got bills to pay. Like, college is expensive. And, and, and I was working three different jobs and just, just working, and I'd come home, and there was this mysterious thing that would happen. There would be no food <laughs> ready for me. And I thought, man, every, for the last, like, 18 years, I'd come home, and mom would have the chicken ready. You know, it would be baked right there, and now all of a sudden, the chicken is gone. And that's exactly what's happened here. Like, they've entered into this promised land, and, and this is the thing that they've been waiting for, but the chicken is gone. It's done. And, and here's the thing. If we were to be really honest with ourselves, like, as human beings, we want things to be easy. We are like water. We want to take that easiest route possible. Sounds like a Chinese fortune cookie. You are like water. It's true, though, right? Like, we want to take the easiest route possible to get from point A to point B, and, and we, we, we plug it in our GPS, and we say, listen, all right, pick my route. I want to go the quickest route, the easiest route, the fastest route to get to where I want to go. And, and then all, all of a sudden, the GPS starts talking to us and, and telling us what to do, and, and, and this, this is easy. As a matter of fact, most of the inventions that we have in our society right now are based upon this simple principle of making life easier. I mean, the, the biggest companies in the world right now solve these problems that make things easy. Apple, it's, it's, it's easy. It just works, unlike a Windows computer that never works. You know I'm telling the truth. Uh, uh, Amazon, I could click a button and packages show up at my door. I don't even have to go anywhere. Need a new whatever? Two days, and it's at my door. I mean, it's simple. It's easy. Uh, Netflix, what do you want to watch? I haven't seen commercials in years, y'all. It's awesome. 
Commercials are such a waste of time. And, and, and it's, it's easy, and everything in our society says, like, how, how can we make things easier? But at some point, you've got to step back, and you've got to realize not everything was meant to be easy. And easier isn't always better. Hence, McDonald's. Hence, the microwave. It's easier, but it's never better. I've never met a person that's like, hey, man, you're coming over to my house for dinner. I got a rack of ribs. We could either slow roast them for eight hours, or I could just pop them in the microwave for eight minutes. Which one do you want? There's not a person in here that would put those ribs in the microwave. Like, right? Because we know it might be faster, but it ain't better. And yet, that is the exact way that we approach our faith. We approach God with, God, can I get like a 60-second devotional? Can I spend like 30 seconds with you on the weekends? Can I just come to church on Sundays and, and, and listen to the pastor for a few minutes and just everything be good? And we end up with this microwaved rib kind of faith. And we wonder why our life is so tasteless. And we wonder why life is so just boring sometimes. And why there's no flavor in our day. Because we've substituted it for easy. Whatever is just easy. However we can get there. Uh, the other day, we have this, in, right beside my bed, I have the um, Alexa tap or one of the machines. I don't know which one. Echo. The, yeah. And I love it. I have this, this other little thing that I plug the light switch into so I could be laying in bed and I say, Alexa, turn the light off. Okay. Ding. It's like, oh. Amazing. And, and Devin could say, Alexa, add laundry detergent to the shopping list. And it's done. We don't need no pencils anymore. Pens, you know, who can ever find a pencil on a pen? You know, and, and I, I lay, and I love this invention. And so the other day, and my daughter Kobe has learned how to use Alexa. And so she'll just talk to Alexa. Uh, she'll just, Alexa, tell me a joke. And she'll tell her jokes. And Kobe doesn't even get the jokes, but she's just laughing on the ground, just like, Oh, it's just funny. Alexa, sing me a song. And they'll be sitting, they'll be just having this conversation with this machine. And the other day, Kobe said, Daddy, let's play hide and go seek. I said, okay. So I had a really good hiding spot. And I was hiding underneath a giant teddy bear. And she could not find me. And she's looking through all the house. And she walks into the room. And she says, Alexa, where's Daddy? <laughs> and Alexa was like, I don't understand that. <laughs> I was like, you can't cheat like that. But she's just like, whatever's the easiest, right? However we could get there from A to B. And we, we want to treat God like Alexa. God, when I need you, I need you to turn on and tell me the answer. God, I have this problem. Sing me a song now. God, and God, like this GPS, we can just pop it in and from A to B, okay, God, this is the plan and the vision you have for me. Now tell me, all right. And God does not work that way. He's not Alexa where you could just like pop them on at our easiest convenience. And our faith doesn't work that way. And here we have the people of God entering into the promise and the manna 
stops. The manna stops. And, and for the last 40 years or so, I would say, this is what in the American church we've been experiencing. An easy Christianity. An easy faith. Because after all, if there's an issue, you just go to the pastor. If there's a problem, just call the pastor. Evangelism needs to take place. Well, that's what we pay the pastor to do. Someone needs to know about Jesus. Someone needs to know what it is to get saved. Take them to the pastor. That's, 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 what, that's what his job is to do. And, and let's be honest, that's just easy. If there's something, just, just go to the pastor. And, and in the midst of all that, and it's nothing new. It's not the last 40 years. Like Paul even says this to his letter uh, to Corinth. He says, listen, you guys, y'all should be eating meat now, but instead I'm still having to breastfeed you. Like you, you, you've got to learn how to chew the meat for yourself. And, and see, here's the thing. Like it's a two-sided street. On one hand, we, we've said like this is the pastor's job and this is what they have to do, but it's a two-sided street where it, it's the church's fault and it's the pastor's fault because we ate it up. We loved the attention. We loved the fact that you could come to us and we could give you A, B, and C and try and solve your problems. And we could just tell you this, this, this to do and this to do and, and everything is going to be okay. And, and we kind of liked being the savior until we weren't. And it's a new time. It's a new land. And all of a sudden, God says, you've got to get your own dinner. And, and so I came to church this morning, and I don't know, I just didn't get fed. Feed yourself. And let's be honest, for the most part, a lot of us, we don't know how to. We don't know how to find God outside of Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We don't know how to find God out of, like, let's just talk to the, the, the pastors and the ministers and the people that are in charge. And the truth is, there's something about going into the promised land where God's saying, like, all right, you've got to learn how to hunt. If the pastor's on his A game or not, if you go home, go home, go home hungry, you've got to learn how to get your own meat. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself. You've got to, how to know how to get alone with me when no one else is watching, when you make all of the phone calls and nobody answers the phone. And everything you're doing is not working out. You've got to find me for yourself. You, 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 just can't, you just can't expect the manna to fall down and appear at your front doorstep anymore. anymore. It's a new place. And, and so it brings about this idea. What if, instead of having this kind of microwave faith, it was a little bit more like a crock pot? And what if you came here on Sunday morning and it wasn't really so much about revelation, but it was more confirmation. What if, what if the things that I say aren't brand new to you, but it's, it's a confirmation of what Jesus has been speaking to you all week long? What you've been getting along, alone with God Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and God's been speaking something into your heart, and all of a sudden, I get up here, and Alan gets up here, or somebody gets up here, and the words that they say, they're not brand new to you. They're just confirmation of what God's already doing in your life. And all of a sudden, it's just like, ooh, man, that was good. Why? Because it's been marinating all week long. You spent time with God all week long. 
you, you, you've come in, and it doesn't, it's, just, it's, it's not one or the other. It's this mixture of both. There's a blend, there's a, there's a time and a place for both. And, and we, as believers, sometimes we have a tendency to jump ditches. We, we say, oh man, this is good, so we'll, we'll, we'll just stick to the microwave, or we'll just stick to the crock pot. And the truth is, there's a time and a place for both. There's a time and a place for both. And we need both in our lives. We need to come in and have pure revelation, and this is what Jesus has said. But then there's other times, and, I, and I'm, I'm willing to say that the majority of the time needs to be more confirmation. It needs to be more, man, this is what God's doing in my life. This is what God's doing in my family. This is what God's doing in my marriage. This is what's been happening. And all of a sudden, I come to church, and something, God says that, all right, Lord, I get it. Is anybody with me this morning? This, this week, uh, we had the men out for a uh, camping night, and, man, it was good. We had bone-in ribeyes. We had oysters and clams and fresh-caught fish, and when this all just on this fire, and then guys are just flipping pounds of meat with their bare hands, and <laughs> Wally's over there just eating all the oysters, and we're loving it, and all the guys are, man, these steaks are so good. What's the secret? I let it marinate. I let it just sit in the presence of seasoning for two days. What if you just sat in the presence of your father? What if you slowed down long enough to just listen to what he's saying? See, sometimes I think we're praying prayers that he's already answered. See, sometimes I, I watched this video, and Bishop T.D. Jakes was talking, and he was, he was pointing out, he said, like, there's these tables, and there are these chairs, and oftentimes we're, we're praying for tables and we're praying for chairs, but God gives us a tree. And, and he gives us the wood to make the table, the wood to make the tree, and, and he's like, no, that's your part. I've done my part. Now you've got to do your part. I've already answered that. The tree, the chair is inside the tree. The promise is inside the seed. See, you wanted to see the fruit, but God gave you a seed. And you've got to take that seed and you've got to plant it in the ground and you've got to water it and you've got to work it. But come on, God, if, if the manna could just keep appearing, that would be so great. And that's the honeymoon period. And there's a time and a place, and it's wonderful that God will take the ravens and the ravens will deliver you bread. But then there's growing up time. And there are these moments where you're hungry, get yourself something to eat. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to do it, and the manna was no more. This is part of the crossing over process. And then it says this. It says, Joshua gathered. There was a whole generation that hadn't been circumcised. Now, uh, circumcision was, this was huge. This was a commandment. This was something that they had to do to show that, like, this is, this is how we show on the outwards that we are followers of God, of Yahweh. This is what sets us apart. And so, there was, and so there's a whole generation now that haven't done this. And, and, and so they're in sin. And, and, and later on, Paul goes uh, in Galatians to clear this up and say, listen, it, it's not about circumcision anymore. It's about the heart. You, you, could, you could go through all of the outward processes and still be just as dirty on the inside. Uh, but for this period of time, this is, this is what you did to show yourself as a follower of God. And there's a whole generation that now has 
been living in sin. Now, what's amazing is this, is if we were to rewind back to Exodus chapter 4, there's this moment where God has spoken to Moses. He's given him uh, a vision. He's given him a, a plan. This is what's going to happen in, in the lives of the people. This is all you're going to do. And, and then in Exodus chapter 4, just in a few verses into it, it says this, and then the Lord sought to kill Moses. And it's like, what? You've just given him all these dreams, all these desires, all these plans. He's going to help usher the uh, people that are in slavery into freedom. And now you're seeking to kill him? And this is why, because they, they hadn't circumcised their son. And then Moses' wife comes, and the, there's a circumcision, and then, then everything's all good. And, and so it brings about this idea and this notion that, listen, sometimes when God speaks to us and he gives us these dreams and these passions and these visions of the promised land and what things are going to be like. And we get really excited. But here's the thing. All of that vision, all of those dreams, all of that hope does not cover up sin. It doesn't mean that you could go, now go and do whatever you want to do. It doesn't mean, Moses, just because you're going you're gonna to be the man that you, you still can just let this go. Like, no, this has to happen. And sometimes I think we get really involved and we get going with God and all of a sudden there's some sin issues in our life and we think that it's okay because, well, look, God's blessing this. It's okay because, look, we're, 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 he's parted a sea, he's parted the Jordan and all the people we've walked through, we're into the promised land. And we can mistake that as thinking God's okay with our sin. And he's not. It's like, listen, for things to change, like something, something's going to change. And, and what happens is this could become really confusing. Because here you have this outward motion that's saying this is what we do to be followers of Christ. And, and in the New Testament, Jesus kind of brings all this back to say, listen, you could still do this and still be messed up. And there's this whole idea that, listen, we as people, we want to make ourselves right from the outside in. And Jesus wants to make us right from the inside out. I, I, I know you're going to do all these great and wonderful things, but listen, we've got to get you right on the inside. We've got to get you right on the inside. See, see we spend all of our time trying to paint the walls, and God's like, why are you painting the walls when you have rotten studs? Because it's a lot easier to paint the walls than it is to replace the studs. And we gravitate towards the easy. And see, here's the thing. I've said this before. Jesus didn't die to make you better. He died to make you new. And Jesus said, like, I'm not trying to repaint the walls on your life. I'm trying to give you a brand new house, a brand new foundation, brand new studs, brand new something to build on, and you're spending all your time just trying to, well, I listen to all the Christian music now, and I do all of the right things, and I say, all, like, like you're, you're, you're not getting it. You could have all of the right look on the outside and still be dirty on the inside, and God could be using you, and you could be doing amazing things, and it doesn't cover up the fact that, listen there, if there's some sin issues in your life, you can't go any further until we deal with this. Joshua, tell all of the men, get together. Y'all haven't dealt with this issue, and before you go one step further, this has got to take place. There has to be a separation. 
You have got to separate yourself. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. And, and then there's this moment, there's this reality check that Joshua has. And it's awesome. He goes before and he, he looks up and there's the commander of the Lord's army standing before him. Are you friend or are you foe? Neither. Wait, wait a minute. Don't you have to be one or the other? Nope. I'm neither. I'm on God's side. And all of a sudden he, he, he puts his face down and he's worshiping and he's just like, oh. And, and he said, I'm your servant. What would you have me to do? And here's his thing. What would you have me to do, Lord? What, what is it? And he would think, oh, well, I want you to do ABC. This is what I want you to do. Take off your shoes. Why? Because this is holy ground. Now, this is a repetition of, uh, of words, and, and the words that we have that here that are the same words that are used back whenever uh, Moses is on the mountain, and he goes to meet with God, and God, there's the, the, uh, the burning bush. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Now, now, this is important because where these two things take place, one is in a bush in a desert. Another one is on the side of a hill outside of Jericho, outside of the two just random places that if you were walking, you would walk by and never think twice. And God says, you haven't realized that this place is holy. I know you can go to the tabernacle. I know there's outer courts and inner courts and there's holy of holies. And I know you know that, that I dwell in this place, but you've got to get it through your brain that, listen, I dwell in this place too. I dwell in this desert land. I, I, I dwell on this, this hill on the outside of the city, and this is holy ground. And see, we, we sometimes like to think, well, where do you find God? Well, you, you find him in churches, and you find and God's like, no, I, I like to show up in Walmart, and I like to show up in living rooms, and I like to show up in backyards and cookouts and campouts and family retreats. And I like to show up in your workplace. And I like to show up in the garage. And I like to show up on hills uh, uh, outside where nobody's even looking. I like to show up in the desert where there's just this random tree that's on fire. And this is holy ground. This is holy ground. And there's a recognition that needs to take place. See, as we move forward... We've got to realize that listen, it's time to chew the meat. It's time we're going into a new season with God. The manna that used to appear there is not going to appear there anymore. You've got to learn how to harvest your own fields. You've got to learn how to work your own trees. You've got to build your own tables. You've got to do these things. We've got to partake not just in the life of Christ, but also in the death of Christ. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
Come to the 